And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? violate the treaty, Captain? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Distract sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found it! Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 54. I am Chris Honeywell, and I'm here as always with my bestest buddy from Feltz Mills, New York, through Orlando, Florida. Well, actually, not Orlando, Florida. Although I imagine you spend a lot of time there, Scott Gardner. No! (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, man? Not bad, not bad. I spent this whole episode waiting for a really good Van Gelder style freakout, and he does get all sweaty and bug eyed, but he never really never does really goes the, the, the Van Gelder, yeah. Uh, yeah, the the <laughs> Van Gelder glory. That would <laughs> that would have been a much better episode. The Van Gelder glory. Oh, I would have loved that. <laughs> oh man. So what's new with you? Anything? Well, the usual. Been garage shelling my ass off. Haven't see, but the usual for you is the unusual for everyone else. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Making the impossible possible. I haven't gotten any good Star Trek stuff at all at any garage sales. And even by good Star Trek stuff, I mean any Star Trek stuff. You know what you need to be on the lookout for now because this episode got me to thinking about it is the old. Viewmaster reel yeah. of Star Trek, the original series, because the the original series only ever got one Viewmaster set ever, <laughs> I know. and it was this episode, the Omega Glory, 
And I used to have it when I was a kid. Simon Van Gelder in 3D. (laughs) One of the least 3D episodes. Yeah, no kidding. Although it's lit for 3D. Apparently, from what I was reading, and of course, I'm pretty sure what I was reading was Wikipedia. Well, maybe it was either Wikipedia, which is sketchy, or it was um, Memory Alpha, which usually has their stuff pretty straight. Um, but one of the two, whatever one I was reading, said that they actually shot the, however they do that Viewmaster process, they actually did it on set for that episode. Oh, when it, when it, so, so they made the arrangements to just be there on some random episode, and that's the one yeah. they happened to be on. Yeah. Oh, I that was yes. pretty cool. <laughs> but... As I recall, though, there was at least one shot in those old Viewmasters. I think it's the picture on the package. But one of the Viewmasters inside was two, like, model Enterprises. Right, you know what right. I mean? So it wasn't an actual shot from the episode. It was, like, staged. Yeah, yeah. Viewmaster would make 3D models and set up little dioramas. They did it with, like, the Looney Tunes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did it with a lot of them. But, uh, yeah, I used to, God, I used to love Viewmasters. As a matter of fact... Uh, I, I just got a nice uh, package in the mail the other day from our buddy uh, Dean Sessler. He sent me, uh, well, there was a, an auction that I was watching on eBay not long ago. Right. And I happened to post a link to it on, on eBay, or excuse me, on Facebook. Just bas- I said something like, want, you know, I like think want, or <laughs> gee, it would be, you know, I wish I could afford this or too rich for my blood or yeah. something like that. And damn, if he didn't go out and buy that thing and send it to me, I couldn't believe it. It was awesome. I, I was I was very touched by that. I was like, Dean, you did not have to do that, but it was totally awesome. So yeah, I got a, a package of Viewmasters recently, and and I hadn't looked at Viewmasters in years. And of course, I'd never seen this particular set, so that was really cool. But uh, it just wet my appetite, got me thinking about Viewmasters, and as luck would have it, we just happened to hit this particular episode that had a Viewmaster reel. I thought that was neat. I looked up about uh, Star Trek Viewmasters because. The article, whatever, wherever it was, I was reading this. The article said the something like the first of five Star Trek sets, and I thought, oh god, maybe I've been wrong all these years. Maybe there were other ones, but it was there were five sets, but this was the only one that was from TOS. There was a set from the animated series that was actually yesteryear, which is my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. No, I remember there was, that uh, you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I had forgotten. I think I might have that seen those. That's the one to get, man. Yeah, that's, it would be. That's an yeah. awesome one. I like that episode a lot. I think I may have seen those at some time, but I had forgotten. There was a set for Star Trek The Motion Picture, which I would love to get my grubby little hands on, because I don't believe I've ever seen those. There was um, Star Trek Two, which I was really floored wow. that they had Star Trek Two. I had no idea there was ever a Star Trek II Nebula set. fight must look nice in 3. That would be cool. And then I, damn it, now I can't remember what the other one was. There was one other set. Huh, I have to look that up again to see what the other set was. There was one other set. But I have, I have no recollection now what the, what the fifth one was. But uh, I, was, I was very intrigued by that. I thought that was really cool. You know, I just remembered I did have a, I didn't get this Star Trek item. Um, but I did see it. We went to the neat. It's I can't even call it a garage sale. We were driving down the road and it said book sale, and pointed down the street. And we pulled in where the sign was, and we saw a garage just packed full of bu- bookshelves. 
in what looked like a little tiny area, you know, for someone to check out with a little cash register there. But as we got closer, it was on the honor system. And it was just like, if you have any unwanted books, drop them off here. And, uh, you know, when you take a book, they're a dollar a piece and leave it in the, you know, put the money in the slot. And I saw I Am Spock. The sequel to I Am Spock. Uh, I've never read that. I've read uh, I read I Am I'm Not, not Spock. Spock in high school. And uh, and actually rather liked the book, but I, I've uh-huh. never read the sequel. But then like 20 years later, he's probably sitting in his mansion going, You know what? <laughs> this food I'm eating is because of Spock. <laughs> right, exactly. This nice house is because of Spock and maybe even my wife. <laughs> I am Spock. Oh, the, uh, the fifth one. I had to look this up because it was driving me nuts. The fifth one was uh, a TNG episode. That's right. I was trying to remember what the fifth one was. That makes sense. Yeah. This is the final set's images. It says it adapted the TNG episode, A Matter of Honor, which I don't remember what episode that was. Something tells me it's a Klingon-related episode. I Let's see. you're right. Th- oh, this I is did- the one where, where Picard, uh, or, yeah, not Picard, Riker, rather, was serving time on the uh, on the Klingon vessel. Right, remember they had right. that officer exchange? That's the one. Oh, that would be a cool Viewmaster set. Huh, I'm gonna have He's to be on the lookout. Klingon for that. food and hitting on Klingon ladies. Yeah, yeah, I like that episode. I like that episode. That a was lot. a really good episode. That was a good episode. Had to beat the shit huh. out of somebody to right. press the captain. <laughs> I'm gonna have to be on the lookout. Evidently, there was. Uh... Oh wait, no, these are magazines. I gotta close this window. I'm spending all this. Breaking yeah, one of the your rules there, Chuck. I know. I had to. I had to look it up. Yeah, it was making me <laughs> crazy. Crazy. It was jungle love. Driving <laughs> making you crazy. Well, I got nothing really for preamble or other preamble. I haven't gotten anything new and Star Trekky and Star Trek going time. on. Yeah, not not in a long time now. Which is which kind of makes me sad. Well, maybe it means I'm due to hit some sort of garage sale score. I did see in Scotty's when we went to Scott McGregor's house, um, and we're digging through. Which oh my god, the booty that came out of that place! Wait till you hear the garage sale gloat. You're gonna die. Well, I'll just give away one that I know you especially. Um, Star Wars Death Star playset in its box. <laughs> In its what do you box. do? What are you gonna do with it? He's he doesn't know. He 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 was originally it's for eBay, but you know what happens when you get a look look at that stuff. You know, oh, yeah. it's just like, well, do I want to? The the Star War the the Death Star place that's missing like the trash compactor and stuff, which is probably in other boxes. So he's gonna have to go back and stuff. So he's gonna have it for a little while to to mess around with it and stuff. The the gun on the top is is in another box somewhere probably. Of all the stuff I I sold and everything, you know, when I sold off my collection, the one thing if I was really smart that I should have saved was the trash compactor because I'm not exaggerating when I say that the day I sold it, it still had every single scrap of was, foam that it came with. I was telling them, I was it's, telling him and his mom about that. I never lost a one. <laughs> but I saw a couple. There were a couple Star Trek Mego uh, shirts in there. Oh, you cool. Know? 
but like a lot of his action figures and stuff like there were some some planet of the apes outfits too but you could see the blood on them from his final battle of all his (laughs) figures which you and i know about that sort of thing (laughs) i never had any planet of the apes migos but i i sure wanted them. as a matter of fact i think maybe the first set of Migos I ever laid my eyes on may have been mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes because I can remember as a kid we lived in this place it was a Bay Sia Apartments in uh, in Tampa Bay and there was a kid an older kid I used to go over to his house and play and he had apes figures and he had the treehouse yeah. place that's the thing is that stuff was like a half generation before us so it was like older mm-hmm. brothers and stuff or, or yep. cousins that you got that stuff from yeah, he, had, he have... has a he has a Cornelius bank, you know, a plastic Cornelius oh. stick the money in bank. But there's oh. but it's like archaeology. There's just traces of former Planet of the Apes stuff. A costume <laughs> here. There's a uh, a catapult. Remember the catapult? Yeah, yeah. The rock. There's a planet. He had the Planet of the Apes catapult, and you know who knows what other stuff is gonna come creeping out of you know that's the thing is a lot of the stuff like their accessories could be gi joe accessories because they were machine guns and stuff like regular old you know machine guns so and or in rifles and stuff but yeah <laughs> yeah you'll you'll hear it on garage shell gloat what all the stuff that came out of that and that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg well, Paul, uh, Paul Spataro and I were, were talking not long ago. Figure we got a year more or less to, to fully plan it out. But, dude, I am looking forward to when we finally get around to doing Apes Month. Because we're going to do a big old crossover between Two True Freaks and Back to the Bins. Ah. We're just going to talk Apes for like a whole month. Because the new movie is going to come out next year. And I am very, very psyched. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm, I'm definitely I'm not psyched. nervous because the last one was good. You know? It was, but I'm noticing that a lot of the people that did the last one aren't. It doesn't look like they're associated with the new one, so that makes me a little bit nervous. But mm. hopefully, it'll be as good because I I really liked the last one, so we'll see. But yeah, all that talk about it the other day, and then I I was like, now I want to go watch the movie, so I went and watched the movie again. So I, I like that man. A lot. Oh yeah, one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back in the next one. He's supposed to come back in the next one? Oh, please, <laughs> let kidding. me let me tell let me tell you. I wish he would come back as an ape, man. I would love to see. Oh an ape yeah, that would, oh, yeah, I I would be down for that. Yeah, Lithgow as an ape. I could I could awesome. see him as an orangutan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see him as as like a like a you know uh, a proto Doctor Zayas mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I could I could see that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I would be down for that. Is in Hollywood? Probably not. <laughs> well, let's jump back over to the world of Star Trek, and we're going to go ahead and cover the uh, classic episode. This is a second season episode called The Omega Glory. Captain's log aboard the USS Exeter. What could have happened to the over 400 men and women who were on this ship? Jim, the crew didn't leave. They're still here. Wu is 462 years old. His father is well over a thousand. They've sacrificed hundreds, 
just to draw us out in the open. We killed thousands and they still came. Fight is done when one is dead. We gotta do something. problem with where I'm reading these from now out of the nitpickers guide for classic trekkers is that it doesn't give the original air dates and all that and I'd, I really like knowing that stuff but then I'm too lazy to look it up ahead of time I always forget to look it up ahead of time <laughs> but uh, here's the synopsis out of the nitpickers guide it says finding the USS Exeter in orbit around Omega 4 and everyone on board dead Kirk Spock and McCoy beam down to the surface once there, they meet up with the Exeter's captain, Ronald Tracy, who states that his crew died of a biological agent carried from the planet by the landing party. Fortunately, something on the surface inoculates against it. However, Tracy has apparently violated the Prime Directive. No! <laughs> Believing that the inoculant also prolongs life, he used his phaser to assist the local villagers, the Combs in their struggle against their enemies, the Yangs. He uh, sees a profit potential and demands that McCoy isolate the life-enhancing substance. The doctor's research shows only that the planet's inhabitants live longer because the strong survived a terrible biological war. Meanwhile, the Yangs state, uh, stage another attack and overwhelm the village. In stunned silence, Kirk watches the Yangs bring in a flag identical to that of the United States of America. On this planet, the Combs, or Communists... Oh, I get won, it. Yeah. Won the great battle, and only now the Yangs, or Yankees, <laughs> are regaining oh, control. <laughs> Even more amazing... The Yang's holy words include a document that exactly duplicates the U.S. Constitution. What, what are the odds? Before departing, Kirk urges them to implement their holy words, not only for themselves, but for the Combs as well. And they all lived happily ever after. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> I gotta say, this was another one where I sat down and braced myself to be bored mm -hmm. and actually enjoyed. I thought it was very well written right up until the end. And then yeah. it just goes south. I thought it was very well written. I thought it was a good cheap on the cheap episode. You know what I mean? The funny thing about this episode, this episode would work brilliantly if if you didn't know shit about Star Trek. Right. And, and you just watched it and walked away going, wow, I really like the similarities to Planet of the Apes. You know, because yeah. it, it almost gives the feeling like, like they've arrived, you know, it, it's that twist ending. Oh, it was actually Earth the whole time kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. In that context, it works. Outside of that context, it's like, uh, come on, Roddenberry, are you going to throw me a bone here? Explain, I'm not getting it. 
Well, because that's my problem with this episode. I, I don't get it. Is this supposed to be another instance of parallel world development? Because I kind of sort of can buy that in a sense, you know, like that they might make sense. skyscrapers and cars. Exactly. But like but when you up. had like Krakow and stuff in a piece of the action, that was from contamination. So contamination. I was wondering where the because con- at the beginning of this, I rem- you know, I remember the end of it. So and I was thinking that somehow it was due to contamination from the Federation, but it's like no, this guy's only been down there for a little while. There's right. no way he could have instilled culturally the Constitution and the flag. Yeah, that's just that. Unless there's so, Roddenberry had some sort of theory that like the design of the American flag is somehow genetically encoded into life. <laughs> How the hell, you know? Yeah, it's just it's just stupid. It's just a it's just such a ridiculous coincidence. It's exactly like Miri's world, which had all our continents on it. Right. Exactly the same. Unless you're you're working in a sort of um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy world where there's a Magrathea that's just printing out people and planets and stuff. Now I have no doubt you know, seeing as how we're 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 damn near about to the fifty year mark on Star Trek mm-hmm. now, that with all of the books and the comics and everything else that's out there, that there's more than likely somebody has been able to no prize this, you know, or retcon it or something. I, I think I even read something about uh, that there has been a, a, a retcon or two to explain the Omega glory. There's probably one out there to explain Miri's world as well, but it bugs me that they don't do it in those actual episodes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I wish the ex, yeah, I mean, cause it would have only taken a moment to say, you know, something to the effect of, uh, Oh, Hey, this is Omega four. This is where those colonists left earth back in the 1970s or something you well, know it was and, obviously a, like a baseball team on a way to an intergalactic space baseball game <laughs> the space yankees <laughs> right yeah i mean it could have been a, it could have been as simple as that and by not explaining it at all i think makes it stand out that much more and and, and it took well, an otherwise just, it was a okay really episode. decent science fiction episode right up yeah. until the end and then it's just like bow, bow, and then it goes yep. into real and then it doesn't just go there it goes there super melodramatically and to the republic for which it stands and oh just, he's He's just out of control well, this, in this it, one. It, also, it's funny that you say, like, if you're just hopping in on Star Trek, this one is sort of a little dictionary of Shatnerisms mm-hmm. of all kinds, you know. He gives a speech, his appeal to somebody, fighting, lots of... Lots of fighting. Fighting, hoo talking, jumping. Oh, my God, <laughs> fucking jumping in this one. Well, he does Pardon a classic Kirk run across the room, grab somebody, and scream in their face, too, because I love the part where uh, <laughs> he grabs uh, Tracy and goes, There is no serum! <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just started... See, the, there was the several thing parts this where one. I just started... But mostly it was where... like I like where he's like where he's set to fight Tracy to see which god is superior, and it's just like, go! And he immediately just... Bam! Socks him full, straight on in the face. I love it. <laughs> that just 
I was just dying laughing at that moment. There's there were many moments. There were a lot of karate chops to the neck. Yep. Although you know Tracy was kind of Kirk's um, kind of he. I think he may have been the guy in Starfleet who taught Kirk to fight, because he was using a lot of the same yeah methods and and he was just oh my god. What I liked in this one was that Kirk really had to work to defeat Tracy because Tracy was like twice his size. Oh, yeah. So he's like dragging Shatner across the floor and stuff. I mean, Kirk was like a rag doll, so he really had to, to fight hard. Well, well, I like that, that he kind of whooped Kirk the first. He was whooping Kirk the first time, but Kirk learns, you know. Right. And so you can whoop Kirk once, maybe twice, but he's going to keep picking things out till he finds out what he's going to do to take you down. <laughs> Let's see. I had a couple of notes on this one. No check off, I noticed right nope. off the bat. Uh, I, first... I was really. Oh, go ahead. I was proud of myself that I caught this right at the beginning of the ship when they're over on the Exodus, and Kirk starts, uh, starts calling around the ship on the intercom. And they do that standard thing where they, they cut to several different sections of the mm -hmm. ship to show that it's empty and deserted. Well, one of the sections that they they cut to and show is engineering. Kirk and McCoy are calling from engineering. They're standing in engineering. Yet they cut to a scene of it being deserted. I'm like, wait, what? It's the same room. It, it really didn't make any sense. if you, you know, But it was so quick that I, I think you're not supposed to realize it. But it's just one of those symptoms of having watched way too much Star Trek. I was like, wait, you're showing the room that they're calling from as being a room that they're calling to and that it's empty. That doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know that I'm making any sense. My first note is uh, <laughs> Shatner's wearing an obvious girdle. Another, another, you know, watching the remastered edition. <laughs> Easier to pick up. You can see, you can sort of see it holding in his gut, right off at I, the very beginning. I'll be honest, I didn't catch that, but seeing it in one of the things that I spotted in it, watching it high def, is the little. Yeah, you know, it's basically it's a it's a, it's the forerunner of say like an iPad. That, I know that exactly what I that's works. I have that same note. I know right where you're going with this. Yeah, it looked like you remember those toys uh, yeah. you used to have when you were a kid that you would you would draw on it. I didn't know what to call it. I called it a yeah, plastic eraso sheet or something. Yeah, like that. I don't remember what they were called either. And and kids today would probably not have a clue what we're talking about. The item these two morons are trying to remember is called a magic slate. It had like there was a piece of cardboard with this black gummy stuff on it and then you had a piece <laughs> of gray plastic that was semi-transparent over it. And mm -hmm. when you wrote on it, it mushed down into the gummy stuff and you could see the writing and then when you lifted it up, it was erased. It would erase. Yeah. So you could just write on it over and over again. Yeah, that's totally yeah. what he had there. Yeah. It was funny. I never noticed it before. I don't think you could you notice, could notice it. could notice it before. It was just, yeah. Uh, yeah, it probably looked like a screen, you know, or yeah, I thought that was really funny. That was the first good look I ever got one of those things in the show. What was funny to me is uh, the first time they brought in the Yang. I'm trying to remember what scene it was. I think it was where, they, oh, I know, it was when they were going to lock Kirk up with him. And they go in there and they get into a tussle. I would have swore that that guy was, um, oh, what the hell's his name? 
Hutch, you know, David, David. Soul. Oh, right, right. <laughs> it was David soul. I really did. I was like, holy shit, Kirk versus Hutch. This is awesome. But then I looked him up and it's not him. But like I really Hutch thought it was. With Lurch. So, yeah. Well, I thought it was him because he, the way he was dressed and everything, wasn't it David soul who was the, the blonde haired guy on the planet of the apes TV show. Was that him? Maybe I know he was in, um, Oh, what was it? Salem's Lot? Mm-hmm. He was in a lot of B-movies and stuff. Yeah. I, I looked uh, I looked the, the character up, and I don't remember the actor's name. It wasn't him, and it wasn't the same guy from Planet of the Apes. Whether that was David Soul or not, I'm not sure. But uh, he sure does look like Yeah, he him. does. <laughs> that haircut's a big reason, I think. <laughs> yeah, this standard 70s bowl cut, mm. just that shaggy bowl cut. Well, then he takes that pipe and just <sighs> knocks Shatner's brains out with it. I mean, he really looked like he should have been dead from that. And he just, you know, he gets up a little later and he's, oh, my head. <laughs> he's fine. Giving a little it, rub, yep. Yeah, it, it does. It looks like it should split his skull wide open. Well... We we find out there's a new power that Spock has that we'll never see him use again, which is the hypno stare. <laughs> that always bugged me because there's another episode. He doesn't do that necessarily, but it's kind of similar. Oh, he does it through the wall with his hands. Oh so. yeah, and that always bugged me because I I always thought it was pretty firmly established that Vulcans are touch telepaths. Yet there's two instances where he, you know, does it through this one. He just you know, did it through wiggling his eyebrows and staring. <laughs> He's like, like a cheap magician. Bengali or style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, d- I didn't care for that too much at, at the beginning of this, when they went to the Exeter and they're like seeing everybody's like all dehydrated. I was just like, Oh man, it's the dehydrator ray from no. Batman the movie. Oh, <laughs> not the guy who turns I, you into cubes. That's what I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, because I used to get these two episodes confused when they would come on TV. You know, based on that opener, right? Because we would see that opener. I thought, oh, this is the one where they turn everybody into the little salt cubes, but it's not. It's and I had forgotten <laughs> that Omega Glory started that way with them being. You know, just little piles of salt crystals and everything. I'd completely forgotten that element. The yeah. the element I always remembered of this episode was, you know, the down on the planet stuff with yeah. with Tracy being a crazy wild eyed freak. I guess that was. I, his... I did enjoy this better second time around, or however many times it's been. It's been a long time since I've seen this, and I remembered not liking it very much. I still don't think it's a great episode, but I had more fun watching it this time. I got a lot of good. My first big laugh was when Kirk gives a whole speech of, you know, like a captain will give his life or the life of his entire crew not to break the prime directive. <laughs> That was a big laugh for me. Uh-huh. And, you know, so he does it, you know, goes through all this to, you know, take down Tracy, who's, oh, he's broken the prime directive. And then Kirk just totally messes with their heads at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's, well, by this point, how many times had Kirk himself violated the prime? Oh, directive? exactly, exactly. And and uh, it's funny because just randomly, well, the other, you know, we're doing the next generation episodes concurrently, but these ones we pick randomly. But this month, it just happens to be two prime directive stories that mm-hmm. start out with prime directive gone wrong and the Enterprise crew having to fix it or play damage control. And it's really funny how uh, the two things play out in this mm-hmm. one. Because you know how you and I are always making fun of Picard. Right. But in this case, if you compare these two in the prime directive thread of each story, we'll see that it's Picard who walks the walk and Kirk who just talks the talk <laughs> in this one. But of the two, though... Which is the style that you like better? Because while I understand the reasoning for the Prime Directive and and, and why they would ever want to have such a rule, I'll, I'll, I'll tip my hand right now and say that the scene where the Doctor in Next Gen says, you know, I couldn't just let him die, and, and Picard's like, well, you know, yeah, you could have. That always irritates the hell out of me. It's like, can you really be such a cold-hearted bastard? I mean... I understand you have these rules and everything, but what is letting the, you know, what is I think taking this guy back and fixing him up? What does that hurt in yeah, the Yeah, but it's like scheme? the guy who says we got to take old Rover out back and shoot him, and then like that that you know. But still, when he gets old Rover back there and Rover looks him in the eye, he'd be like, "I can't do it." You know, I'm gonna pawn the family car to get Rover's pacemaker or whatever. I don't know, <laughs> you know. Uh, so that's just talk, you know, that's just talk. And then she gives him a reason and he sort of goes, oh, so, I remember that movie. All Yeller gets a pacemaker. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, that was a good movie. <laughs> and then he gets rabies and kills everybody. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, Cujo. Oh, Cujo. <laughs> I cried at the end of old Cujo. I'll admit it. Really, the only other note I got on this one is uh, there's a great moment where Kirk and everybody, they're, they're in the Yang's tent. And the, the head guy walks into the tent and there's a shot of Shatner. And then they cut to something else and they cut back to Shatner. And in those two shots, I think it's a simple matter of somebody flipped the film over Mm -hmm. in one of the shots. But his part in his hair changes sides between those two shots. I was like, "What?" It's just I. It's just one of those things. I just happened to, I guess, just be looking at the right thing in the in the picture at the right time to catch it because I had to go back and rewind it. I was like, "Wait a minute, something weird just happened there." And I rewound it. I was like, "Okay, his part just changed." Wrong with Shatner's head. (laughs) I. I, I, just speaking of the right thing at the exact right time, how lucky was it that when they take the Bible and just flip it open, that it's bookmarked to the page of the devil who looks exactly <laughs> like Spock? Yeah, that's the thing is, it's not just the flag and the Pledge of Allegiance. But the, that's the thing is, everything's the, like the, the Bible too. They got the Bible too, but in this Bible, the devil isn't like pointy-haired like on the can of canned ham, devil. It's you know, it's the, it's it looks exactly like Spock. It's like the <laughs> Prince Valiant Devil, and 
it's the the coincidences just pile on insanely and you know they he opens he he doesn't flip through it he opens it up and then you see the red bookmark is right on that page for the evil one <laughs> well, it's the same thing as raiders you know indy just happens to flip it open flop. right to the page with the <laughs> with the arc on it like he'd been studying the ark before they came to talk to him or something it's funny you mentioned the ark of the covenant yeah exactly ah, movies do that I mean, movies and tv shows do that kind of stuff all the time I don't know. I, I do have a slightly higher opinion of this episode now. It, it's just that I wish that the parallel thing had been explained. It just the and the, it's it's not even so much that they didn't explain it. Nobody seems surprised by this. You know, you you think Kirk would be like, "What the hell?" You no, know, he's and, just and psyched because now he knows how to get out of it. You know, right? But nobody, Spock, I mean, you would think Spock of all people would be like, fascinating, you know, it's it's the exact, you know, it's an exact duplicate, you know, some sort of shock yeah, reaction. Spock of all people should know the odds of that. Right. And there's nothing that nobody in the situation seems completely blown away by the fact that this parallel world, whatever that stupid theory is has paralleled so closely that it is actually mirrored right down to the the phrasing and the words used on these documents and it's like no 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 <laughs> and nobody reacts to that and i i just i i just wish that there had been something there i want to you know, know just... the names of the people who wrote the the you know the the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and, and all that, you know, and see if they, it's like Thomas, Je you know, uh, I it's Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Exactly. Who knows? Yeah. Pete Hessian, <laughs> Jack Slater. Well, the, the Constitution was, um, or not the Constitution, I'm sorry, the Declaration of Independence was Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. I don't know who wrote the Constitution off the top of my head. Probably Jefferson, too. I, I really don't know. I know the Declaration or 16 Jefferson. idiots. I don't know. George Jefferson, maybe. Yeah, it I'm was. Sure. It was. In Florence. <laughs> Billy D. Williams! <laughs> That's all I got on this one. <laughs> if I ever get a chance to, to read the, the book or books or whatever that are out there that do explain all this, I'd be very curious to know what the what the official unofficial explanation is for this, but I couldn't be bothered to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there That's you about go. All I got. There you have yeah. it. <laughs> um, so I guess it's that time for me to fire up the old, uh, <gasps> yes. All right. This is always my favorite slash most nervous part of the episode because you never know what you're it's gonna get running slow too because it's summer and it's hot in here oh 44 44 is oh no <sighs> i don't think you have problems with this one as much as i do is this one but that we haven't done did we hit one i don't think we've done this one the trouble with tribbles have no, we done that we one have we not no we haven't now, you know what we can do with this? We could actually make this fun, I think, because it's not like it's a horrible episode. I just... Well, it it's drives a favorite me crazy for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. 
I uh, that bugs me that it's a that it's considered like the best or the most popular episode because I I don't think I like Kirk it. is I, particularly in character in that episode. That's kind of what bugs me about it. But I like it. I mean, it's okay. But you know what we can do is similar to what we did when we covered what was it that we covered and we went to uh, we did the Enterprise. Was that Tholian Web? Where we covered the, the oh, episodes. Oh, right. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So we could do the trouble with Tribbles, and then there's a sequel slash homage called um, Trials and Tribulations. That was an episode of uh, Deep Space Nine where they time traveled back into this episode. It was uh, done as one of the anniversary episodes for you know celebrating Star Trek's, I want to say, 30th at that time. God, has it been that 30th, 35th, something like that? I'll have to look it up. But anyway, I don't know if you've ever seen that. No, and I it's never actually have. it's it's actually worth a I've look. I've never it was seen actually... an episode of Deep Space Nine, so it'll be my first Deep Space yeah. Nine episode. It'll be one of the rare times you'll ever hear me say loving things about uh, Deep Space Nine because it's actually a really good episode. Sound interesting? I'm intrigued. Cool. That's about all I got. Got anything else on this one before we jump into the future? No, sir. <laughs> Stop looking at porno and pay attention. <laughs> what? can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. 
You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.